Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Very excited for our interview today. Bob Bodine's the president and CEO of the nation's leading executive search firm. Sports, entertainment, big business. Eastman and Bodine has kind of set the standard for executive search in the last 30 years. Bob himself is a renowned speaker, author, prominent community leader, serves on a lot of boards. He's written some best-selling books. Two Chairs, which I hope to have Bob back as a guest sometime to talk about his Two Chairs book. That's just a phenomenal book in the in the realm of faith and belief and, and connecting with God. And then he wrote the book, The Power of Who. And he wrote the book, The Power of Who, back at the end of the last Great Recession. It's so aligned with what we're all about. It's so powerful, whether it be the Acres of Diamonds philosophy matched up with the referral philosophy that says the power of who, you already know everyone you need to know. And I can't imagine a more aligned message for our audience than this. Bob, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today and share with the audience. Hey, thanks for you know letting me be on, Brian. I've heard so you know so many great things from so many friends about you. And of course, you're, you're really a difference maker today. So I appreciate the opportunity. Well, it's awesome. And, and we're going to have a good time today and hopefully bless a few people along the way. You know, before we dive in here, uh, talk about where Bob Bodine came from. What was it like growing up in the Bodine household? What was your progression all the way into the executive search business? Well, you know, first I started with just great parents. Uh, you know, my mom was kind of my spiritual go-to person. Uh, and so that's really where I, I wrote uh, the Two Chairs book through. And uh, I kind of, you know, looked through her eyes and that. And, and I hope to do that with you uh, one day. And then my dad was kind of my business, you know, guru. He you know, my dad was a Notre Dame fighting Irish. He was a McKinsey guy in, in consulting and uh, was CEO and then, uh, you know, started the executive search industry in 1967. And so uh, so that kind of grew in Chicago, New York, L.A., San Francisco, 15 countries in Europe. So we kind of did every single thing. And then, you know, um, I I went to SMU. My mom wanted me to go to a southern school uh, after all my my brothers and sisters. They all went, you know, in the Midwest. Uh, because our headquarters was in Chicago. And then, uh, you know, I got into brand management start, uh, did a little bit of that, uh, ran a large brand, uh, you know, uh, for frozen French fries. So I'm the king of spuds. I know more about French fries than most people. One of my great guys who I reported to ended up, you know, running kind of Neutrogena and then, you know, be, you know, created the name Windows for Microsoft. So I've, I do uh, a ton of stuff for him, Roland Hansen, you know, who's one of the top tech guys in the country. So I still do a bunch of search. And so, my dad was kind of like my professional mentor. And so growing up in the Bodine family is kind of different because my dad always wanted to show me always what greatness looked like. And I think it's very important for, for people to see those type of things. And so early in my life, we would, you know, we'd be in Vegas, we'd go see Frank Sinatra, we'd go see all the greats. We'd always go backstage, we'd do all this stuff. But one of the times, I'll never forget, I thought it'd be a good story to start with. When I was 14, my dad, uh, we were like, you know, we loved Arnold Palmer. My dad, we, we would stalk him. And so, uh, so 1973, we went to the Bob Hope Desert Classic. And my dad always wanted me to see what it was like. It was the last day. So you got to follow the story. Last day, uh, 16th hole, Arnie's up by one. He hooks it left into the woods. And my dad and I are right there in the woods. And so there's no like ropes back then. So we're just standing there and here comes Arnie. My dad's nudging me and I go, oh my gosh. There he is. And, but he says, no, look at him. And I go, what? He goes, he's not worried about being in the woods. So it's interesting that great people have a difference today of how they think. They have a different belief system, kind of like Tom Brady. It wouldn't be of all these people. They, they, are, they just understand some things. And so as he got close, he said, I want, to sh I want to show you something. So he drops the bag. The caddies looked and pervaded the situation and said, Arnie, you'd have to hit this shot. You know, we're up by one under this tree, hook it left, 245 yards to a green that's tucked in tight with traps. So we just need to hit a little wedge out here. And so, you know, Arnie's kind of like waggling the wedge. But, you know, great people hate hitting little wedges out there. 
And so they need to find something that I think the audience needs to understand about great people. And what I was taught is that you can get something from great people. So he was going to look around because he didn't like his caddy's response. So he wanted to see who he could get some energy from. And so he kind of slowly turned his head. And there was my dad and I. And we're standing there. And he looked at my dad as he's waggling the wedge. My dad gives him the no sign on the wedge. <laughs> the caddy goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, and the caddy goes, don't listen to that man. Hit the wedge right out here. No, don't do that. And so Artie's kind of laughing. He waggles the wedge again. Slowly, he turns his head. My dad gives a no sign again. Arnold Palmer just kind of walks over to see if he could hit the shot. Comes back, waggles the forward. All of a sudden, he's, he's looking. He looks over at my dad. My dad gives him the yes sign. He barks at the caddy to get away. He comes over there. He gets his thing ready. You know, he's got that little swaggle and he's head cocking. It just comes in, just goes underneath the tree. True story. Boom. Hooks left. Okay. Just on a tight rope towards the green. Bounces up four feet from the green. You know, from the pen. And the crowd is going crazy. Arnold Palmer saluting my dad. And the whole folklore, I tell people, of Arnold Palmer is all because of my dad. You know, it's funny you're saying this because I just watched the documentary over the holidays that was on the Golf Channel about Arnie. And he's presented with an opportunity to invest. He's, he's been this icon. He's built all these businesses. And he gets it presented to build a 24-hour, round-the-clock golf channel. He gets his financial advisors. He gets his team in. They pull apart the idea backwards and forwards. The guy that's pitching it, it's their third meeting, and it's a decision meeting. And they go around the room, and basically all of his financial advisors say, it's, it is too big of a risk. It's, there's just nothing that we can pin our hat on. We just don't think we should do it. Every one of them was a no. And Arnie... Palmer looks at me. You'll love this, and you might add this to the story, but you can find this story on the Golf Channel, that uh, the documentary called Arnie. And he said, guys, none of you fellas would be sitting around this table doing business today if I hadn't hit it through the trees a few times. And he went and he put 10 million bucks up to the Golf Channel. And that Golf Channel, I believe 15 years later, they sold for, was it 600 million or something? Oh, yeah. But that the line, and you can you can you can see this, and you can add this to it, is Arnie Palmer's philosophy and what he went to. You know, even as a successful man, he hit it through the trees a few times. And I think I'm I'm just sitting here listening, and I'm sure a lot of people are listening, going, "Wow, how brilliant was your dad to get you exposed to greatness?" Well, you know, it's so important. The energy between two people is what makes great marriages, families, companies, et cetera. And today, the hardest part when you're out of a job or you're looking for a job or you're starting to think about a market like this is who can I run my idea that's going to actually stick with me, who's going to believe with me? Because if you have a dad or someone that you love who believes in you, that changes everything. You and I both know that, Brian. It's a big deal. So let's kind of dive right in. When did you discover the power of who? And maybe you could define for folks what it is. So let me start. So as an executive recruiter, one of the things you find as a CEO, and, I, and I've been doing this now for 41 years, and so, um, and I do every industry. And of course, I love doing sports, but uh, in this process, but I do all of the industries. And one of the things you find is, is that, uh, you know, when they're doing it, they're they're thinking of a subject called networking, mm -hmm. which is not working. Right. Which is calling up a bunch of people you don't know. It's handing out, you know, you know, resumes to people, it's faceless websites, it's it's so hurtful to people who are looking because they don't actually understand it. So I wrote a book to try to help people in this time. And so my dad had said to me one time, boy, he says, you're saying some things to people that I've never heard anyone say before. You need to write that down. You're gonna have to do this, which I never thought I could write a book. I can't write a memo. And I think the answer some people is, but some people see something in you that you don't see. And that's what dads do. That's what friends do. You know, a friend is someone who like knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you've forgotten the words. So the power of who, you know, starts first with a premise that, you know, friends and business aren't taboo. So let me get this. Otherwise, let me get this correct. We're supposed to work with a bunch of people we don't know and don't trust. I mean, so we're going to go out to this. So you already know everyone you need to know. Now, that is the most staggering thing. You were given specific people in your life to help you in ways you can't even imagine. What if we're missing that? What if, we, what if we're just, you know, to get our mom into a hospital or get this new job isn't about who we didn't know, but, but who we do know, our friends. And so friends actually help you. And the problem is today is, you know, everybody has 5,000 people on Facebook. And of course, 
you know, they call everyone a thing. And these are the people, the power who is, is about the people who matter most in your life. People are listening going, my gosh, this sounds like a setup because this is the drum I've been banging for 30 years. And whether it be the concept of the acres of diamonds and it's underneath your feet, whether it's, you know, for us, we ask people to A, B, C, D, their relationships, give, serve, give more than you're asked to do, exceed expectations and ask them to say, hey, who do you know? And yet, as the guy who's been banging that drum for 30 years now, I recently had an experience where I have some advanced financial planning to do. I got some referrals and I ended up bringing in this big giant firm and cast a Cleopatra. And every time I turned around, there was two more, three more people there. And it was this big corporate thing. And eventually I'd be on these Zoom calls with what was like a, a, a team of faces staring back at me and nothing was jiving for me. And I finally called back the guy I've worked with for 25 years who's been helping me for 25 years. And I go, I, you know, let me say, I've kind of got down this trail. This has become like a full time job. Who, who do you know? He goes, well, we have a guy on our board who's kind of semi-retired. This guy comes in and in 15 minutes makes the most complex thing I've been working on for a year like this. He then says, hey, hang on. The, the guy who originally helped you with this plan, let's call him up. We, we had a meeting the other day. I've been working on something for a year. We had one preliminary meeting. Yesterday, we were an hour and a half and it's done. And I already had everybody I already needed. I think sometimes, Bob, maybe it's an insecurity, like, I don't know enough. I don't know enough people. I, I need to go get the flashy or the big or the name or the this or, oh, my gosh, little old me, I need a marketing campaign that does this or that. And yet here it is. It's right underneath our feet. And I, I've been banging this drum for 30 years and I just made this mistake. Why is it that we don't lean into who we know? Why, why do you think that's the case? Oh, we've been we've been taught that this whole concept that asking for help from your friends is like uh, wrong. Like people in the South won't ask anybody. So, but if you and I are best friends, Brian, and I ask you for help, would you help me? All day. Why would you deny me the same joy of helping you? So most time we just don't see our friends as resources and conduits to our success. So the people that God gave you, so you never see it because you can't see the fact that they do it because we look one dimensionally at people instead of what I'm telling people is, who dimensionally? So if you have 100 friends and I have 100 friends, we don't have 200 friends. We have 10,000. And so so because your friends have friends, but you ain't got 100 friends and neither do I. And if you had 50, we'd have 2,500. You don't have that. But listen, you get down to it. Is This whole concept is your grandfather, if you had one friend, blessed, three, rich, 12, you'd change the world. Now, now this... This concept has been around for 2,000 years. He, no, he only had 11 friends. <laughs> exactly. But, but he started, but he dropped him, right? And then he, the, the one dropped him. And so listen, in life, Jesus had these 12 friends, three close, one best. Everyone knows who he is right now. It's 2,000 years later, we're st he's still signing recruits, still doing deals. I mean, and so my point is, you need to, people need to take their Rolodex and make it smaller. Not the other way. This concept of going out and having breakfast with every single other person in the world is a total joke. Going to networking meetings, Brian, Bob, Bob, Brian, why don't you stick a fork in my eye? I mean, this concept is ridiculous. The question is, what's on your heart? What do you want to do? Name to me. And when I people, I say to them, listen, it's hard for me to talk to you about the power of who if you hadn't read it. Of course, 67% of kids over the age of 23 never read another book cover to cover. So listen, you and I know that readers are leaders, and in the quiet of their heart, they could all of a sudden get a concept that's actually going to work for them, and they don't have to do cold calls, mass emails, send out a bunch of dear recruiter letters. People send me, two, I got 200,000 of these dear recruiter letters. So dear recruiter, that's an oxymoron. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know you. You can't call me dear. Right. You know, like you said, and learners are earners. And in the dynamic we have, and I know we share this in common, which is a lifelong commitment to growing. And as we look at this, you talk about everybody's created equal. It feels kind of unnatural to sort and qualify our relationships. Why it's so essential to differentiate between the specific circles in our lives. So there are people in your lives. I mean, everyone has goals and dreams, but, you know, you kind of come into a role where, where you're, you stop and, and you're looking at people who have invested in your life. You have a, I tell people that you got who you have this community of friends that you've developed over years through love and unconditional giving that will come to your aid. So I did this study. I mean, as an executive recruiter, I was out doing what most people are doing. I, I created 5,365 people that know me say, hi, Bob. 
Okay. It's, they give me a hug. And then, uh, you know, 5 million miles, that's a lot of work to get to that. And then I did a study of who's touched my life or given me any business over the period. And oops, it was 87. So I looked, I took like stupid off my forehead and focused in on the people who matter most. I probably wish qualities on 47 of those. And so when you get down to it, wouldn't it be amazing that the people you know, know the one person you need to know? So here's a perfect story. I had this guy come up to me and I did a coach. I did a, a talk for the Black Coach Association. He comes up and he goes, oh my gosh, I got to tell you my who story. And he says, so he says, I've been tracing my wife. He's a defensive coordinator. I'm tracing her all over the world. He says, I'm not getting any jobs. We're sitting in bed one day. And she goes, listen, honey, we got our grand, our kids got to see my mom and dad. And uh, we're not doing this anymore. So you either got to find the job that's near close where my mom and dad are, or you got to get a different job. So all of a sudden he hears that the job is right there at the local, at the big college right nearby. And so he goes, oh my gosh, he puts in all his networking stuff. Of course it doesn't work. And so he comes in and he says to his wife, so Portland state's open, honey. And he, she goes, oh my gosh, that'd be perfect. You got to get that. And he goes, I just don't know anybody. There's no one responding. I don't know what to do. Everything's quiet. She's in bed with him. She turns in and she goes, I just read this book. He goes, what? It's called The Power of Who? And he goes, what is that? Some like Tony Robbins stuff? And he goes, no. She said, he had this amazing line. What is it? You already know everyone you need to know. He goes, I don't know what that means. And he goes, what if it meant that my dad in Portland knows a person at Portland State and he could give an introduction. She said, would you do it? He's thinking to himself, where's the knife? I, I, I can't do this by myself. That's a problem for people, right? And so all of a sudden he waits the next day, the father-in-law calls and she, can I help you? And so he says, yeah, he says, I heard you know someone. And he says, well, I've been working out at Gold's Gym with this guy. And he's thinking, Gold's Gym. Again, India, scoff. And he thinks to himself, and he goes, well, who do you know? I got my computer in front of me and maybe you could point me. And he, and he, and he looks up the man that he works out with and he's the chairman of the board of regents of Portland state. One telephone call and boom, he gets an interview and he's the right guy and he gets the job. And he looks at me and goes, so hold it a second. I'm sleeping in the bed with the power of who? And sometimes we so underestimate and have no idea that God it had to be simple, right? That God is going to humble you to ask the people around you hey, could you help me? And all of a sudden, magic occurs. And here's the thing. I don't know why, but I still find it like a parlor trick. I'm always shocked that it works this way because media, social media, everybody tells you it has to be big. It has to be this. You have to be an influencer. You have to be that. And I find that none of that stuff's influential. I was came to America, 19 years of age, soccer player, getting a serious motorcycle accident, you know, gangrene. They're going to amputate my leg. So I'm in and out of hospital for two years, can't go home. I owe a quarter of a million dollars. I'm 19 years old, now I'm 20, and I'm 7,000 miles away from home, and I hardly know anybody. And I start off bit by bit. Well, I'm the number five realtor in the state of California by 26. And I always get, how'd you do it? What you do? And what was your marketing plan? And I said, I have 300 clients. And out of those 300 clients, I have 18 A pluses. 18 people I know. I don't give them a book gift certificate. I know exactly what book to buy them. I know their favorite music. I have a deep relationship with these people. And over 40% of my business every year comes from these 18 people. And I would always get the response, you're just so lucky, right? You're just lucky. Like, I, yeah, I got run over by a car and I knew nobody. The thing is, I've been doing this my whole life, 35 years as an American by choice, as I like to tell my family. What I can say is I'm always amazed that it's right underneath my feet, right underneath my nose that I do. It's true. It's not just some catchphrase for a book. I know everybody I need to know to have all the success and influence I ever need to have. Well, you're so right. I mean, my dad, again, going back to great mentors, to great things of what it is and how you're mentoring so many people on the air as we speak. But think about this. My dad, when I joined the firm, he said to me, I want you to write down, here's the three things. And while you had the McKinsey guy, I'm thinking they're going to get some big philosophical point. You know, my dad could do a New York Times crossword puzzle in, in you know, five minutes. I'm on spit. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so he, I'm sorry, I'm writing down. He says three simple things. And I said, what? Number one, make friends. Number two, Bob, help your friends in every way possible. Can you say that again? Because I think the last part of this is what people are missing. Make friends. Number one, help your friends in every way possible. Okay. Number three, don't be surprised. If you do a lot of business with your friends. Okay, so hold a second. 
what's every way possible? Well, we started a thing in our firm and what we do is we, on every Friday, we do a thing after lunch, everyone stops work and we call those friends and say, and we call it Who Friday. And we call them and say, how are you? How's everything going? What, and if they say, okay, well, that's a clue. It's not okay. And immediately we, we jump in and start to try to help them. We help their sons, their daughters, their grandkids. We help them in a hospital. I go get their dogs. It wouldn't matter what little thing that you're talking. It's every way possible. And when you take care of your friends, somehow, it, it doesn't mean that they're going to come take care of you. It's the law of reciprocity that God created. It's a universal law that if you do what you're supposed to do and you do it serving and loving and caring and helping people, you are going to be blessed. And so wouldn't you be surprised? I, I know you're not, but Friday's my biggest day of business. And I never asked for that. And the answer is all we did was try to serve. And my whole point is most people are missing that like when they're, when they're considering to be out of a job, you know, and you've got to go help some people. That's Zig Ziglar at his greatest. If you want your dreams to come true, you have to help other people get their dreams. Help enough people get what they want. You'll get what you want. And the power of who is we were introduced to each other by Tom Ziglar, Zig's son, who's a good friend of both of ours. And he's like, you guys need to know each other. And that's how people work. You know, it's like you guys need to know each other. And I read the book and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this is. And I, I think people who've been long term clients or listeners to me are like, hey, is this Brian's uncle? I mean, what's going on here? Because this is so universally aligned and connected and powerful. And I just think I used to go to the real estate conferences and feel insecure. I'd, they'd sit on the panel. Here's the top five realtors in the country then. And like, OK, what are you doing? One guy would show his power promo video and his commercials. And I'd be there and I, well, I have one thing, which is I have a directory. Oh, yeah. What's that about? Plumbers, painters, landscapers, babysitters. Here's all the things my clients need. And I went and found the best guys in each one of these places. And I published a little book. So it's kind of like long before there was an online version of that, right? You know, I would do this. I didn't have a personal promotion thing. I didn't run ads, but I had stuff that was all about serving my people. If my folks called me, if they had a roof leak, I wanted to be the first person they called. If they needed a detailer for their car, I wanted to be the first person they called. It had nothing to do with real estate. And what happened over time, as you know, you become the trusted advisor. And then if they'll trust you with a babysitter for their kids, maybe when their best friend at work needs a referral, you're the first name that comes to mind. And like you say, you plant the seeds, you get the harvest. The law of reciprocity, in the world we live in today, people want the harvest and they don't want to plant any seeds. My dad used to say, give it out in a slice, it'll come back in loaves. And today, people don't even give out crumbs. Agreed. If you, don't, if you plant a, a bean in the, in the ground, you don't get a bean back. You get a crop of beans. So, you know, Zig's another great line. Listen, you don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. And, 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 and Zig lived like three streets from me. And so we would, I mean, I, I just do anything to be around him. I mean, it was another one of my things. My dad took me when I was in high school to go to a Zig Ziglar conference. I mean, it's just one of those things. And so you're 100% correct. It's why you're successful. You have a philosophy. And one of the things is I studied you before I came on, because I, I think anybody who does is for you, people matter most. Your heart knows it. God taught it. Okay. And, but the people around our country have forgotten this. There is a spirit of forgetfulness. When the people get to this point that they forget the people who matter most, they start panicking. And so they call up a bunch of people that they know. It's like George Bailey. I tell the story of It's a Wonderful Life. It's like George Bailey. They call up the evil Mr. Potter like as if he's going to help him. When all along he was rich, he had all these people right in his backyard. And they would all of a sudden do it. He didn't know it. And he didn't know it. And when they had an opportunity to give back, they joyfully did it. And people will. And you don't have to be a victim to do that. Sometimes it's a lot of pride, I think, that stops us from receiving. I think it's pride that stops us from asking. It's false humility. But I think the truth of the matter is we deny people the opportunity. My favorite thing in life is to give. I've also had to find the challenges with that, right? Because when you give and you meet up with takers, that becomes a challenging thing. But when you find other givers and their desire is to give back, you're kind of outdoing one another. I'm married 31 years. I know you're married a long time. 38 great relationship with your wife and kids. You know, people asked us the other day, we were actually at this church meeting and people were asking us, like, how are you guys successfully married for 31 years? And both of us had the same answer, which was, we try to outgive one another. And it's a great way to live. It's a great philosophy to have. And by the way, it's the most powerful formula for business. 
One thing I want to specifically hear from you, I really think this is unique to you, and I'd never heard this before until I read The Power of Who, which is the 140 strategy. I think it's a very unique perspective. Can you speak to that for a minute? I created a strategy. It's so simple. It's a, it's a process that allows people to do. And it's first saving, like what you do, is, is this concept of making lists. So you have to have a list. So why? Because you can never get what you can't see. So I put, I have whiteboards. I always put up dreams everywhere. I like to get it out there so people can all of a sudden see what they're actually looking for. And so I want to hear what their dream is so we can start making a list of how we do it. So the first list of the hundred is who are your who? Now, it doesn't matter in your whole lifetime. You're the greatest networker in the world. You'd have a (laughs) hundred. If you were the, if you were like a monster, even when I did it, I came to 87 over my whole career. But the answer is I then cut that back and I only had 40 again. And the answer is like, what did I come out of the 40? So I always find like you, there's 10 to 20 that actually consistently do things for you. You've got to know your list. Number two is, is what do you want? So you can't have a, you can't go to your friends. It's the old Jerry Maguire, help me help you. How would I help you if you didn't tell me what it is you want? So people call me and say, oh, Bob, I want to be in sports. And I go, so what do you want to be like a referee? I mean, no, no, I wanted to be the head of marketing, you know, for the New Orleans Saints. Oh, okay. Well, then where's your list? And, and, and the answer is when you go, people don't care how interesting you are. They care how interested you are. So how much do you... What did you know everything about it? Do you have files that you've created on all the companies that you consider to go to where you know who the owner is, you know who the president CEO, you know what their philosophy is, you've looked at all their videos, you've seen all the people, then you looked on and the only reason LinkedIn would really go there at all because I consider the fact that people use LinkedIn sometimes in a, in a way of trying to networking, which is ridiculous, but just to do as research. And they come up with this list. So I get the hundred of what it is that my who, and then I figure out what it is I want. And I try to make a list of the 10 companies because success is geographical. You can't just say, I'm going to go anywhere. I mean, you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that God himself would want you to live in a city that you love? Your, the goal is to do a job I love with people I love in a place I love where my family loves it, and I get to do it for all the right reasons. The operative word was love. And so what most people are doing is they, they love the city, they hate the people, love the people, like, you know, love the, you know, hate the city. They, they got, it's one thing wrong. It's, it, you know, all of a sudden I, I'm always confused. And so the issue here is to connect now the dots. You then take your what list to your who. Perfect example. So when I wrote my first book, I, who would know how to find an agent? I have no idea. So I go to Barnes and Noble and start looking up all the great people who wrote, you know, you know, these type of self-help books. And I'm looking in the back and they keep mentioning this person named Jan Miller. I have uh-huh. no idea. that I'm, I know who Jan Miller is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. And so I send out a note to my 15 top people and I say, hey, you know, I've been writing this book. I'm trying to do this. I have no idea who Jan Miller is, but this is the top agent. She does. He or she does everything. Anybody know her? Immediately. Four of them sent back a list and says, I know Jan Miller. She's, she's in Dallas with you. Get out of here. And so then I said, I said then the four, a secondary one, who of you four, you all know each other, who knows Jan the best? All of a sudden, I got a guy, you know, and, and immediately, all of a sudden, one of my friends comes back and says, I lived with her and her husband after I graduated from Ohio State. Come on. Come on. I immediately had a who thing. I'm in. She then she reads the book. She says, I am the power who I know every one of these people. This is good. I love your book. I love your concept. And boom, I'm all of a sudden in. So, so what if I didn't send the text? See, what if I hadn't followed through and asked my friends, you have to humble yourself that everyone comes to a realization. There's that we're all a cup short of greatness with you. I'm great. But without me, I can't do this. There's a realization that I'm short something. And if you would come to that realization quick, that you have to, you need other people. And that's why, you know, I did a BBC one uh, show one time. She goes, well, what if all your friends are losers, Bob? Come on. I said, Mary, I said, your people have friends. You have no idea who their brother or their sister or their uncle, their aunt. And the answer is your friends go through seasons. They're up and down. I want to be there for my friends in all of those seasons. Here's what I think people do. They mystify success and then they demean when it's done. What I mean by that is this is this otherworldly thing that needs to happen. 
And then, well, of course, Bob Bodine, you know, he's the head of this executive search firm. He's had all these famous people he's represented. He's on these boards. He operates at this high level. And nobody would put two and two together that Bob would go to the bookstore to put in the legwork, going through books that are bestsellers in the area he's in, and then going through his mind, who do I know who might know this person? I can tell you that 99% of people, if they were thinking in terms of this book or anyone who's achieved any type of top-notch success, do not think that happens at all. They think I just kind of wake up out of bed and everything just falls in my lap. And I'm in the same mode I was, kind of, even though we have this big organization and all this momentum. When I go to do a project, when I started the podcast business, I was starting from scratch. I knew nothing. And it was, who do we know? Who do we know? How would this work? Who do we know? And put the time in. And people mystify success. And then at the same time, well, it's luck or Bob Bodine. He's got this great resume and it just falls in his lap. I've never heard this phrase, a cup short of greatness. I love it. And I think that's the thing. And I think one of the cups we're missing is the who, but also this dynamic of what? That you would actually go do the work, put a bit of the elbow grease in to actually drive towards the relationships who might know what. Uh, This person might know what and this person might know who. This person knows what I need to do and this person knows who I need to be connected to. And I think that's the thing that if people are listening to this and they have dreams they haven't realized and goals that are sitting out there, that it all kind of looks like what you just described to me. Well, you, you hit it on. So as an executive recruiter, I'll do a search. I'm calling up and I'm a, I know you're in the finance business per se, let's say. I call you and I say, hey, I'm doing a search for chief financial officer company. So what do you think? You say, hey, let me think about it. I'll call you back. You ain't calling me back. And so that's what's what happens people do. Because first, you're talking about me having done my homework. So I say, hey, Brian, I know you're really busy. Let me run the seven best guys by you. You know, names. And you go, oh, Bob's going to give me something. And so I start telling you, you go, no, I don't know that person. Yeah, that guy's pretty good. And then you go, oh, that guy's, that, that person there, that woman would be fantastic. And then all of a sudden you start getting, when you get down to number seven, you know what I know you're thinking? I got to get Bob off the phone. And then I'm banking on that. Why? Because I did not, I did not, I did not call you to give you the same names I got. I tried to slow your mind down to give me the one name that you got. And then if each of my friends in my hundred list, give me one more name, I'm like, it's like gold. And so, you know, someone better than me because this is your field. I'm just an executive recruiter. I'm looking to my experts to do this. See, our friends matter. Friends, friends are different than acquaintances. Friends help you now. Acquaintances wish you well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so good. Oh, that is so good. That's right. I mean, we're just doing everything backward. And so your point on influencers, come on. If you're talking about some influencers are going to help you. I mean, people you don't know aren't going to do this. The people you know are so much more important than you think. And so if you don't ask me, listen, we have these two parts of our brain that, that gives us euphoric happiness. One is, and it's not position, power, and money, okay? It's gratitude and giving. So if you don't, if you do not ask me to give to you, you don't let me give to you because you're not going to do it. You're stopping my buzz. I need to do it. I need to tell my daughters. I just helped Brian today. And then they all of a sudden get the thing that my dad did for me. I start to show them what this is all about. People mm. have to help people. And sometimes if you think I'm just not going to be, the, I love to help other people, but I'm never going to help let anybody help me. Well, that's just a big mistake in life. Just a big mistake. Powerful. I'll say this. I've known of you. I've studied your books and I don't read a book. I pull them apart. I have one for my shelf and I have one that I destroy. Okay, and the one that I destroyed is all the marks and all of this one. And that's how I operate. This one's for the shelf. But it's actually just to let people know I read it while it's sitting on my shelf. And this is the stuff that I destroy, you know, and I pull it apart. But I have pages of notes of just our conversation right now. And I hope people are going to listen to this over and over again, because you're just throwing out gold. I mean, I'm listening as a practitioner. I love people who do it. Listening to you, people know this man has gotten on the phone and made these things happen. One of the things in the book you talk about is that these speed bumps along the way in life, and we've had a bit of a speed bump here in the form of a virus. We've had a speed bump in regards to the responses to the virus. We've had lockdowns. We've had tremendous political turmoil. It's been a very unusual. I think it'll take a long time for us to figure out what just happened here and what these lockdowns mean and what the state of people's mind and emotions and education and kids and da 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 But you talk about five clues that provide the feedback to get you back on track. 
And I think at this moment, I, I think you and I could talk for days, by the way, but I think at this moment, this might be a great gift we could give our audience because we've had a pretty big speed bump for a lot of folks. I think it would be great if we could talk about the recurring dream, the gifts and talents, the birds of a feather, rejection, and do what you love. If you could just kind of give us some insight on that. So the power who is a lifestyle, not a business kind of strategy. It's not a philosophy. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that you, it's something you do every day. And that's why, why you're successful. It's why people don't understand is that, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're grateful, you're, you're hugging your wife, you're kissing her and this. And so along the way, what happens is in these philosophies is the first thing is you have a recurring dream. You have, you do, you have an assignment that God has given you. You do one thing better than anybody in the whole world. It's not, it's just different. And, and, and our job as your friends is to get that out. So I can't let you just stop from this recurring dream. And what you have to do is you have to make lists and you have to follow it and do it. And so these gifts and talents that you have are special. And, and so having the right who around you. So here's a problem. Men over the age of 35 stop adding new friends. And so they, they're friendly. They're just not having any more friends. They keep their old ones. And the only problem is, is that they kind of lost track of this whole deal. And so men over 60 give up their old friends. Now they just focus in on their family. You know, that's a big mistake because in the world, you're going to have trouble. And God says, be of good cheer. And so he's got a plan. But the answer is he uses the people we were given. So you can't like just do it. You know, you can't like people. I ask people all the time, you know, you got to be like best friends with your wife. You can't be just like friends. You have to be best friends. And so, so in this process, because why? Because you're going to get a lot of rejection. I mean, that's just part of it. There's some people, no matter what, you should go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. So this is like a mind blower for people. People go in every single day and they hit this person that they, they have who never is going to like them. And I, I make a joke in it. You could be on a pig, an orange pig walking through the office. They're not going to see you because they don't care. They're just not your who. This is a, this is a clue. Leave. And so how would you figure this out? So here's the thing I want to, I want to give you as a thought. So we do a thing that at, when I go to every one of my conferences and I teach, I teach people to do, we call it the text message game. So I want people who are on today to write down these three things that I'm going to tell them. If we're going to send a text message to our friends, I'm not going to pick them. You all are. So you're going to send it to, it, it's going to be your mate. It's going to be your mom or your dad, one person. We're never sending a group message. You're just going to send out an individual text. It's three lines. It's really simple. And then you're going to send it to your best friend. And, and so you could send it to your brothers, your sisters, or that. If you have older kids or like over 16, 17, you want to send it. Here's the three lines. They're simple. And this is going to tell you who you're who are. This is going to be a mind-blowing game. It's one of the coolest games I've ever seen. You're going to say, hey, comma, and they don't want to change it. You're not going to say, hey, bro. You're not doing any of that. Just write just as I say it. Hey, comma, I was just thinking about you. These three lines are the most affirming lines you could possibly say. Hey, comma, I was just thinking about you, period. I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your friendship, period. Hey, comma, I was just thinking about you. I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your friendship, period. And then you finish with, I love you. Okay, those three lines. And so you're going to send that out to your, to your mate, to your, your dad. Now, 70% of men in the country never had their dad tell them I love them. Okay, so we need to shift and make a, a play here. If your dad's alive, we need to do this. And so, and then our brothers, and we have people we're in conflict with. You have this all over. You have friends that when you do it. So here's the story. So it's funny. When you send this out, you're, you have a, you have a, 94% chance that your mate comes back and says, did you mean this for me? And the reason is you, and the reason is you said, you said the word friendship. See the people you love don't understand the word friendship and the people who are your friends don't understand the word love. And so your, your friends are going to come back and say, are you drunk? They're going to say, are you okay? Especially in a pandemic because they're worried now about you because you said the L word. Now, listen, you and I both know that there's 180 words, or maybe people don't. There's 180 words in the Greek language for love, and we have one. So I love my wife, Cheryl, of 38 years, and I love tacos. Okay, so no, they're different. And so, you, so the difference is when I go into a meeting and I tell these things to my clients, hey, I don't have one client in the NFL, Major League Baseball, Hockey, Ultimate Fighting Championship, any business that I don't send this text message to. 
and they come back. And so I got them all and they all send back and say, Hey, I can't believe you sent this. I needed that message. I love you. You, you make a difference in my life. Now, listen, if you and I go in for a call and I'm going against you and you walk in and you make this fantastic presentation, they shake your hand as you go out. And then you watch me come off the chair and I'm going to go in next. And then you look back at me and this person's hugging me and telling me they love them. You're in trouble. So they're not asking you for more money. They're not trying to try to get you friends. We'll do it. So bottom line is this. So these people are going to ask you later. So they're, you're, if they come back with sarcasm, you say, no, I meant this for you. And if they come back and say, oh, my gosh, ditto. Well, that's not saying the L word. You're going to say, where's the love? And so we're going to force them because this game shows us who are who are. And so the fun part of this is, you know, I did this with Urban Meyer and his whole staff, and he immediately, and Urban Meyer goes, my wife's going to say, I love you, love you, love you. And she came back and said, who's got your phone? Then he says it again. He says, oh, my gosh, what should I say? And I say, no, I meant this for you. And she comes back and says, seriously, question mark. And like Gene Smith, the athletic director, his wife comes back and says, heart, 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 come home now. So my point is you need to know and tell people who you work with that you love them. Now, so we've just been taught, hey, well, that's inappropriate. I'm not telling you to say to people you don't know. And it's not smarmy and it's not false. It's not contrived. We're talking about going deep. And we're talking about, you know, instead of a mile wide and an inch deep, it's an inch wide and a mile deep and actually taking the time to invest and, you know, connect. And we're about writing personal notes. And, you know, our company produces 12 million personal notes a year now, giving them to our clients. And still to this day, people are shattered. They write someone a small personal note and they get this response. And that was the only positive word I heard today. And, you know, you and I could probably do about two days straight of this. We could. Tom Ziegler told me, you guys are two birds of a feather, and there's no doubt about it. And I'm hoping that we can do a few more of these. Uh, what a gift this has been today. I want to say this because I have five questions I ask every person who's ever been on the podcast, and it might just be a, a great way for people to see a little different slice of you. I, I think they're going to be hearing a lot more of you from our shows. I'm just going to say to anybody, we have a great book buying audience. This is the first book I read in 2021. I don't know why it took me so long to meet Bob Bodane. I don't know why it took me so long to read this book, but uh, you guys know me. This is the best book you're going to read this year. And it's not a new book. It's over 10 years old, but it's The Power of Who. It's a nice short read. It's very well done. And, and as you can tell, Bob is a fountain of wisdom and insight and encouragement. And he is what I love the most is he practice what he teaches. He's not someone who was on The Apprentice on Tuesday and his book came out on Thursday. This is 40 years of living it. So, Bob, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate and enjoyed our time together today. Here's the five questions I have for us to get to know you a little bit better. What's the single biggest piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, you know, I, you know, people, someone asked me, single piece was like, hey, so what do you, what's your main focus when you start your day? And mine is God, family, and the person right in front of you. I think there are people that come in front of you on purpose and directional and I've got to start, I start my day at two chairs. I spend my time and love on my family. And then I make sure that if I'm with you, Brian, it's, it's you. And, and of course we, we've been, you know, even though we just met and we were first on today, it feels like I've known you my whole life. Right. And it's similar birds of a feather. And that's why, you know, we used to teach our kids when they were really small so that they had our attention. We'd hold their face and they would hold ours so that they knew I had our gaze. And I've translated that on into my life. And I feel like we've been holding each other's face here for an hour, locked in totally here. And I just think that's brilliant advice to focus on the person in front of you, no matter who they are, what their wallet is. It's the relationship and who they are. And that's magic. What's one talent or gift you wish you possessed that you currently don't? You know, um, I always would have loved, I, I would have always loved the, the quietness of just sitting down and playing piano. And, and I think there's something about music that uh, has such a, an ability to, to kind of one, it, it, it stops and you can break into worship. You can break into doing some, a great song for your wife. You could just break in and all of a sudden keep your friends laughing and joking while you're sitting with them. You know, my dad always had that ability, no matter where we could go, he played the piano and it was just a, it's just a wonderful thing. That's uh, something we do. You know, it's funny from, I've asked Neil Armstrong, Lou Holtz, Magic Johnson, Matthew McConaughey, you name them. I've asked them all, and it always comes down to this. And isn't it interesting that that's the kind of stuff we pushed off as a kid, but mom was right, and we should have taken the lessons. And, you know, it's still not too late. It's still not too late. You're right. No, good point. What book has been most instrumental in your life? Uh, the Bible. 
So I knew that was going to be the answer, so I'm not going to let you get away with that, so I'm going to do this. What character in the Bible do you most identify with and why? You know, I probably uh, I, I probably go probably with Paul. So I, I really believe there's some times in our lives that we just kind of have scales and we're, we have like on our eyes. And, and so I'd want to be someone who's knocked off the horse and then is all in. I mean, I really feel so. I'm a, I'm one of the things I really try to be is loyal to my friends and loyal to my family and loyal uh, in something. So I just think it's, uh, you know, and then it's, and there's a cost, you know, in any of this, you know, it's a, there, life is not easy, but, but God promises that he'd do it with you. And so I, I'm, I, one of the things that I do is I, I feel like, I just feel that somebody who, who, who you never would have thought could ever do it, which some people could be listening today. You just don't think that you have any shot. This guy wrote the entire, almost the whole New Testament. <laughs> and he was the worst of the worst. And so, so he's a man after God's own heart. And so people, got, people have a misunderstanding that God's not mad at you. He's not mad he made you. He makes no mistakes. And he digs you and your picture's on his refrigerator. And he's waiting for a conversation. That's so awesome. So awesome. You're scrolling through the channels and there's a movie. And every time it's on, you stop and take a peek at it. What's the one movie you watch over and over again? So I love the matrix. Mm. So this is a, this is a story of, of, again, of, of of an aspect that's going on in the world that you're being, you're being sucked into a world system and you're believing something and it's just not true. And so you're eating, you're eating fake steaks. And so you got to figure out that this, this world is, is not about you. It's something bigger. And the answer is once you disconnect from the matrix, and you start to figure out how you can help other people and how you can make other people's lives and do and serve just like you do and like you say it. Um, then all of a sudden you find there's great ability and power to help people. Um, and it's so hard because we're so tough on ourselves. And so we can't make an exchange in the morning where you get rid of the stuff. And so if I'm thinking of my daughter, Allie, and I'm thinking of my business, I'm thinking of other things, then I just lost sight of Brian. And it's, so it's so important that, that we all of a sudden, and what I love about it is he had kind of died to this other thing. And then, boom, he took off. And so we have to make a choice. We got to make a choice each day because the world's getting tougher every single day on how it's coming at us. And, and there's a lot of stuff that people are, are doing that we just got to say, I reject that. I'm just not going there. Let me ask you this one last. Uh, what's one thing still on the bucket list? You've had it on that vision board and it hasn't been checked yet. What's the one sitting out there? So when my dad, when my dad passed away, um, as he did it, he, he looked at me in 2000. So he, he, he passed away. And I, of course, you can't see your dad is ever dying. Right? So I didn't think he was dying then, even if he was in the hospital. And he said to me, so when you finish your fifth book, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, I can't write a memo. I can't do that. And he said, no, no no, no, you have this and this is going to be it. He says, and then he says, he says, each book will have in succession, something, a bigger message. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on book number three. And so, uh, and so this, this next one, um, you know, is, uh, is very exciting and it's how we can share, how we can do something in a day, what we could possibly do in a day in five, in five minutes or less how to live a transformational life in a transactional world. And so, so it's, 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 yeah, it's going to be, it's going it, the stories are mind blowers. And, and so I got, I got, I, I've had some stories and some things being with the two of the young guys who stopped the Paris train attack. And so how we got to, how we, how we got to be friends and how all of a sudden, you know, my life changed and their life changed in the midst of it. So there's just some things and, and how you met your wife, right. In five minutes and how you, how you did something and you were with your daughter. You had that one conversation with your daughter that you've been holding off. And now you didn't, you just didn't tell her how much, how beautiful she is and how much you love her and how, so there's this, this fantastic thing that the Jewish faith does and they lay hands on their kids every night and they say, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I give you the father's blessing. And so this has such, and then when they walk out of the room, they do it every night. They walk out of the room and they say, you're going to do great and mighty things. And so there's less than 1% of, of Jewish men in prison. The impact of us being able to say that. And so I want us to be able to start doing that with our kids, doing that with our, uh, telling our wives how fantastic they are. And so I, I, I just can't tell you how honored I am. And so it's so simple for me to look at you and tell you I love you. 
So it's just not like something. I mean, it's so it's 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 just an amazing aspect that people have, and it's not hey like the like all of a sudden you're just saying it casually. No, there's 180 words, but it's sure better than like. Yeah. Well, you can tell we went to a little bit of extra effort today so we could see each other because I want to be totally present when I meet somebody. And and I'll say this. I feel like I just met a new friend and I'm over 35, Bob. But, you know, it's magical stuff. I love your spirit. I love your heart. I've been around the communication side of things for a long time. You're a world class communicator. For a guy who says he can't write a memo, the books are fantastic. It is very hard. Today, I find that most books have so much filler in them. And they're a lot bigger than they need to be. And they restate and restate and restate. And it seems like they're looking for page count. This book, The Power of Who, and the book, Two Chairs, each one of them is less than what most people are going to spend on lunch today. And yet the resistance now, because it feels like work. But I don't think it felt like work to listen to this man today. I don't think it felt like work to hear one after the other, whether it was the brain looking for gratitude and giving, the cup short of greatness. The people aren't care how interesting you are. They want to care how interested you are. Lion after lion after lion today. I hope this podcast been a blessing to you. Get the book. It's the blessing that keeps on giving. I met a new friend today and uh, life is good. Bob, what a privilege it's been to meet you. I think our paths are going to continue to cross. Thanks for taking the time today in the middle of a Dallas freeze storm to be with us. And thanks for blessing our audience. Thank you for having me. It's a blessing to be with you. Well, in talking about the power of who, I'm going to hand you over to the number one who in my life growing up, and it's my mom, Therese, who always gives us an Irish blessing. And again, think about the words, may the roads rise up to meet you, may the wind be at your back, and God has us all in the hollow of his hand. Here's a little word from my mom, Therese, as we finish here today. I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you listen to this. I hope you get the books, and I hope to catch you next time. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. (laughs) 